for as much as you may or may not celebrate Valentine's Day, uh, I remember being told a long time ago that, that the best Valentine that was ever written uh, is the Bible. It, it's a love letter from God to us telling us, basically, when, when it all comes down to it, that God loved you so much that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life, that he loves you that much. I, I looked it up this week. There are 783,000 words in this book. Uh, that's a pretty good Valentine. So, so guys, if you write your wife a 783,000 word Valentine, then you've then you've done pretty good. You've done biblical proportions. But other than that, uh, you might fall short a little bit. So today we're doing uh, things a little bit different. Um, we're going to spend today praying for missions around the world. And so we're going to be sort of mixing worship and prayer in with uh, some stuff about missions. Um, and we've ended this 40 days of prayer. We've been doing a 40 day of prayer thing along with the Christian Missionary Alliance. And uh, we started that at the beginning of January talking about holiness, that when we recognize how holy God is, that it will change the way we, the way we pray. Um, that a lot of times that holiness will lead us to repentance where we see how uh, how far removed we are from God, and it leads us to confess our sin and, and repent of it. As we do that, it opens us up for the Holy Spirit to be able to work more within us. And the more the Holy Spirit works in us, Jesus said uh, that we'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you in Acts 1.8, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that, you know, in, in our context, Jerusalem is kind of like our community. Judea is the surrounding area of Hawking County in the sort of the southeast Ohio region. Last week, we talked about Samaria, that Samaria kind of for us uh, represents the people that are close to us but very different from us in culture and in values. A lot of times they're people that are sort of on the margins of society. And so today we're going to be finishing up this series on the 40 Days of Prayer with missions, and we're going to spend a, a lot of time today praying for missions and missionaries around the globe. And I don't know how many of you uh, followed the, the Alliance, the uh, the devotions they put out this week, but I was reminded this week of just how important it is that we pray for our missionaries uh, because there was a story that a pastor told about his son who's a missionary, and, and I just want to read that to you real quick. He said, one morning my wife and I awoke at 3 a.m., heavily burdened to pray for our son Chase in South America. Our intercession felt like a wrestling match, and we both wondered aloud, what is all this about? Months later, when Chase was back in Salem, I remembered that prayer time, and I told him about it. Did anything happen while you were away that might have prompted the Holy Spirit to wake us up and pray? My son looked at me wide-eyed, and he told this story. He was walking through a neighborhood with a large amount of cash in his satchel belonging to the mission team. A man with a gun appeared in front of him. 
and then a pistol was pressed against the back of his head. There was a lot of yelling by the two men who were preparing to rob him. They searched his pockets, and one grabbed the satchel. Chase yanked it back from them, saying repeatedly, I'm a missionary who belongs to Jesus Christ. I'm a missionary who belongs to Jesus Christ. Holding on to the satchel, Chase turned and walked away. He heard the hammer on the pistol click into position, along with more yelling from the robbers. But he kept walking, now shouting, I'm a missionary who belongs to Jesus Christ. And he walked to safety with the satchel. Praying for our missionaries, is a, it's an important task. And so that's what we're doing today. So let's pray just real quick. Father, I pray, first of all, just as this story reminded me, uh, for safety of our missionaries. So many of them are in harm's way. So many of them are in countries that it is illegal for them to be missionaries. So they go... Uh, as other workers. So we just pray for their safety. We pray today that your word would be living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and that it would just call us to a, a deeper passion for what you're passionate about. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now today, I'm going to be uh, looking mostly at Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 to 38 from the New Living Translation, if you have it and want to follow along, or like John said, it'll be up here behind me. But it says this, it says, then when he, meaning when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Now, the interesting thing about have compassion on them, the trans, how it's translated uh, and it's probably not this way in your Bibles, no matter what version you're reading. It, it says that, that it comes from the Greek translation that when he saw the crowds, his bowels yearned for them. Now, that's because in Jesus' time, in Jesus' culture, it, the, heart of emo- the, the center of emotion was not the heart. It was the bowels, um, which completely changes a whole lot of the Valentines you're going to see today. Uh, so if you want to have a good time, it's kind of like the, the uh, thing where you take a, a uh, fortune cookie and just add on in the bathroom to whatever it says. Uh, if you change, um, if you change whatever, if you take out the word heart and put bowels, it, it will make your day a lot more interesting. Um, but in Jesus' time, that's where the heart of emotion was. So, it, but it, in, in a way, it makes sense that it says when he saw the crowds, it, he had, it had a sinking feeling in his stomach. He, he, had, uh, he felt like he was kicked in the gut. That, that's kind of what that means that he had that kind of compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. You know, last week we talked just a little bit about having Jesus' compassion for people and praying that we would have Jesus' compassion 
this deep passion, that, that kind of feeling that we have this sinking in our stomach for people who don't know Jesus, for people that need Jesus. That we, when we see people in our town, in our community, in our region, when we see people on the margins, when we see the people of the world around us, like Jesus did, confused, and looking for help in anything and everything that we tend to do, that we would have Jesus' compassion for them, that it would really, truly break our hearts, that we would have that sinking feeling in our stomach that we feel, we, we feel when we hear terrible news, and, and that we, like Jesus, would have great compassion for them because they are confused and helpless, and they are sheep without a shepherd. And, and so in this passage, Jesus has this compassion that, that just pours out for these people. And he sees this great need for workers. But here's the interesting thing. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, pray to the Lord of the harvest and then go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, pray and, and make disciples uh, you know, and the Holy Spirit will come on you and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. He doesn't. He just says, pray that God will send out workers. And we've sort of said this throughout this whole series that the first work of any Christian is to pray. Before you go, before you do anything, it's to pray. He says, so pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send in more workers to his fields. I read, read a great quote this week from Leonard Ravenhill. He's a great author on prayer. He said, the church has many organizers, but few agonizers. Many resters, but few wrestlers. Many who are enterprising, but few who are interceding. So today, I just want to focus on, I want to intercede for, I want to wrestle and agonize in prayer for those who are around the world, who are taking the gospel to people who are confused and helpless, to pray for those people who don't know Jesus you know, we, we may not all be able to go to all nations, but we certainly can pray for them and pray for those who have yet to hear the gospel. So today, we're going to hear reports from various countries, and we're going to pray for missionaries in those countries, and then we're going to pray for the entire continent that are represented by those countries. And so today, we're going to pray for the whole world and for people who have yet to put their faith in Jesus, and for the missionaries to be encouraged as they go. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and as they come up, uh, watch this video. On an isolated mountainside in East Asia, impoverished villagers are learning trades to better provide for their families. As they work, 
they hear the story of Jesus in their own language. Generations before them struggled as subsistence farmers, living in fear of evil spirits. Alliance workers are here, helping these villagers have a better life and hope in Jesus. Near a dusty plain in Southeast Asia, littered with landmines and remnants of war, a network of home churches is bringing life where death once reigned. People are meeting Jesus. Sisters share with brothers. Neighbors share with neighbors. Former enemies are finding unity in Christ. In this area once considered a wasteland for the gospel, vibrant alliance fellowships are springing up. In a sprawling West African city, a young man once called cursed for his physical deformity and turned away by his family is hearing a different message. Love and acceptance, a family to belong to, a new identity in Jesus. As many of our workers discipled him, his life was transformed. He can't help but do the same for others now. God is opening up new pathways to ministries like these around the world. As a movement of Alliance believers, we follow Jesus' example and commands, loving and helping people in His name. We are serving communities through vocational expertise that impacts the whole person and their society. We are multiplying church networks that create even more churches to serve the unreached in their communities and beyond. And we are developing people who will disciple others to be leaders with a passion for Jesus. From our founding, Alliance people have come together to take the gospel to the neglected places where Christ's name has not been named. Today, more than three billion people still have little to no chance of hearing the good news. But God is forging new pathways to these peoples once out of reach. He is calling us to join Him, to follow Him to regions beyond. If you would stand and worship with us this morning. Oh 
You will make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Breathe, call these bones to live, or call these lungs to see once again. I will praise, breathe, call these bones to live, and call these lungs to see. Again, I will praise Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear, oh, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, and your name is light. That the shadows can't deny And your name cannot be overcome Your name is a light forever lifted high And your name cannot be overcome Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny not be overcome. Your name is a light forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Sing it out. Sing Jesus. Oh Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. And your name is light that the shadows can't deny and your name cannot be overcome and your name is life forever lifted high and your name cannot be overcome and your name is life that the shadows can't deny and your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a lie forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. 
I'm Dennis Maves. I'm the field director of the Mongolian Fields, and we're here in Ulaanbaatar, the capital city of Mongolia. Mongolia was ruled by Russia for 70 years. They tried to wipe out all the religious background. When you look throughout the country today, it's really a mixture of shamanism and Buddhism and atheism. The winters are long, from November till April. It never gets above freezing. The, the climate's pretty cold. It's kind of cold right now. <laughs> but uh, beyond that, there's a spiritual climate that's here that's, that's pretty dark. In 1990, there were four, three or four known Christians in Mongolia. And uh, today, there are many more Christians, but most of them are very young in the faith. Uh, we have a lot of new believers. Our churches are full of new believers. If you want to be educated, then you have to come to Ulaanbaatar. Half the city is made up of people under the age of 21. We have a lot of youth that are here in the city that need to be reached with the gospel. Well, here in UB, we have a student church uh, made, made up completely of, uh, of college students. We're meeting with them weekly to teach them the scripture, teach them the basics of discipleship in the Christian life. Right now, one of the high priorities is, is to train new leaders for our, for our churches. Mongolia, at least our city, is still facing about 40% unemployment. And unemployment is about the worst thing imaginable for men. Alcoholism, domestic abuse, uh, fathers who just aren't around or who are around and you know, don't work all day. Most of our churches are about 90% women. Uh, so we have to find ways to boldly evangelize men. You can't, you know, start projects to help people until you understand what their problems are. And you can't understand what the problems are until you're dealing with them yourself. Everyone on our team is involved in some kind of a project uh, to help people physically, emotionally. We probably have 50 families from around here coming to get clean water from our well. There's a 
big disparity between poor and rich. There's a big gap. You might find the you know, fancy SUVs in Ulaanbaatar. At the same time, you'll find the people who go hungry. There is a relative freedom in Mongolia. The receptivity is very high. Last 15 years, the church has been grown tremendously. So the people, they were very open. That's why you know, the church and Christians grow very fast. Never forget to pray for the missionaries, not only in Mongolia, but other parts of the world. We're going to pray for Mongolia. You heard some different prayer requests in there. So just go ahead on your own. Just close your eyes. And take just a minute or two and pray for Mongolia. And also for the larger, much larger continent of Asia. Father, I pray that the name Jesus would be a light in the darkness in Mongolia and in Asia. I pray for specifically there in Mongolia where half the city is people under 21. I, I pray that you would bring about revival through them. I thank you that there is an open door for the gospel, and I, I know so often uh, the most receptive people to new things are young people, so uh, I just pray that you would use these young people to, to bring the gospel to Mongolia. I pray that you would use young people all over Asia, in China, in Japan, and uh, in, in Russia, and all of those places. Um, to, to bring about a great awakening. Father, I thank you that some of the biggest and fastest growing churches are in Asia, in places like Vietnam um, and in Korea. And Father, I pray that they would be sending out missionaries. Father, I pray for the men uh, in Mongolia. And, and we're going to hear in other videos that, that the, one of the biggest unreached people groups in those countries are the men. Um, and Father, I've heard it said, as the men go, so go the church. So Father, I just pray that you would soften the hearts of, of the men in Mongolia and in places like China and 
especially in the Oriental culture where the men, the men are the leaders and the men are very much the, the head of the household and have much say in what happens in, in life. I just pray for soft hearts for those men that they may receive you as Lord and Savior. I pray against uh, the alcoholism and the abuse that is not just a Mongolian problem, it's a problem everywhere. Um, But as we listen to Mike Hope, who was a missionary here a few months ago, uh, as I think of uh, other countries in Russia and and in in Asia where uh, where alcoholism and abuse is such a high thing, we we pray that uh, that again you would just push back the darkness by your name. We pray that people may find freedom in your name. We pray that people may find healing in your name. And Father, I pray that whatever it is that they are missing in their heart, when we know it's Jesus, that that they're trying to fill it with alcohol, that they're trying to fill it with being domineering, but they're trying to fill it with, with false power. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and fill it, that hole in their heart with Jesus, and that they would receive your Spirit's power, and that that would bring revival. Father, we pray this for Mongolia. We pray this for Asia, that your light would shine brightly and that your kingdom come, and that your will would be done in those places. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to worship some more.
It's a completely dark place that was divided for many years. You have people who in the East were completely shut out from the church. They basically got rid of the church here and they grew up with no concept of what God was or who he was. And then the people in the West were like, how could God let this happen? And so they've walked away from him. After the Berlin Wall fell, a survey was taken of all the Eastern Bloc countries. And East Germany was at the top of the list for the most atheistic country at 90%. The next one down was Slovenia at 30%. That just shows you the need here. People basically tried to erase God from society, and they were pretty successful at doing it. They seek to find fulfillment somehow, some way, but they don't want to go to the church because the church is seen as really being outdated. Building relationships and showing people that um, we care about you as a person makes a big difference because through us they see the love of Christ lived out in flesh and blood. But they can't see themselves as, as our projects. If they think that they're a project to you, they completely shut the door. It's not part of my job to make, make him a Christian. It's because I'm his friend that I want to see that happen. I meet with people for coffee. I can't tell you how many times in the weeks and months um, in order to build that strong relationship, to even have that open door to talk to them about what Christ means to you. And that does happen, but it takes quite a bit of time. It's frustrating because they stand there at the edge for so long and thinking about, is this a, is this a step I want to take? Which is a good thing in the fact that when they decide to be Christians, they're Christians. And they're really there, they're unshakable almost, because they've really thought through it. Sometimes it's a question, God, I know you want us to be here. What's, what do you want us to be doing? Who, do we, who should we be investing our, our time and efforts? I think God just reveals that um, weekly, daily. Um, we just have to rely on his, his strength and his discernment. I'd like to see God wake their hearts up to what it means to be a true follower of Christ, not what it means to come to church and be entertained and have everybody all happy because I got the best sermon ever, but instead understand what it means to be the church to the community they're in. I'm very excited about what God wants to do with the women of this city. We've started a women's ministry right now and we are seeing women come to these teas we have in the afternoon where we share the gospel. And I really believe that when we reach the women, we reach the children and the husbands. Most of what we do here, we cannot do by ourselves. We have to have people praying so that as we begin to plant seeds, that ground is softened. If it weren't for our partner churches in the United States, there wouldn't be the churches here that exist today. Over the last decade, we've seen God do some amazing things here. And we're very aware that it's not about us, but it's about all of us working together. Take a second and pray for Germany and pray for Europe. Europe is a very post-Christian culture. There was 
great faith there a couple of generations ago, but not so much now. It's seen as, as they said in the video, as something old and outdated, and, and so many people just don't believe. So pray for Germany, pray for Europe. Father, I lift up Germany to you. I pray that you would soften the hearts of the German people. And I pray that that you would just be with them and, and send your spirit to them that not only might their hearts be softened, but their hearts might be healed over generations of division, of generations of hurt and anger and prejudice. And Father, for a people that are so very atheistic, for a people that see Christianity as just some other false religion. Father, we pray that revival would come to Germany. We pray that revival would come to the men and the women and the children of Germany. Father, Germany was a place of great revival at one time. Europe was a place of of great revival and of Christianity and of, of great things being done by your people. And now it has grown quiet and it's grown cold. So Father, we just pray for our missionaries there We pray for the believers, be they few in those countries, that you would just raise them up, that you would use them to make disciples, that your spirit would light a fire in those countries, that people would know the name Jesus, that they would come to call the name Jesus Savior, that they would come to know Jesus as their healer, that they would come to know Jesus as the one that can heal the brokenness that they feel inside. Father, for 
for Europe that is is a post-Christian culture. Father, we pray that that once again your spirit would move in your people there and that revival may come. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I sing praises to your name, praises to your name, the name that's so much higher than all names.
God has been using Kama in West Africa for three decades. We've been involved in relief work, in famine response, the Ebola epidemic, agricultural work, medical work. We're seeing God work today in amazing ways in the midst of disaster and in the midst of poverty. We're seeing a lot of people experience change in the church and that's very encouraging. We take time just to sit and talk and it gives me opportunities to share Christ with them and also uh, stories from the Word. We've seen open doors, whole villages coming to the Christians asking for help, whereas before they were persecuting them, burning down their churches. There's people that come to the Lord because one of the staff talked to a patient. One of the things I'm learning how to do is to use a local art form, henna, to share the stories of scripture visually. They are not literate, so this is a way for them to see God's story and God's love for them on their hands. We want to increase our reach and go to new places where we're not working currently. We want to increase the impact that we have in seeing more lives transformed and more communities restored. So let's pray for Africa. Just, again, take a minute or two and just pray quietly. See how the Lord leads you to pray for Africa.
Father, we pray for open doors in Africa. Open doors to your gospel. Open doors to new relationships. Open doors for conversations. Father, I pray, as you taught us to pray, to, to raise up workers, to, to walk through those doors as they're opened. Father, Africa is a big place. We just pray that you would work there however you see fit. There are places there that are open to the gospel and, and the harvest is ripe and ready to go. There are countries in Africa that are very close to the gospel where it is illegal, where it is dangerous to believe. And Father, we do pray for those believers in those countries that believing in Jesus could be a death sentence. We pray that you would encourage them today, that you would strengthen them today. Uh, we pray that you would just move in those countries in a mighty way that the gospel might be allowed back in. Father, I pray that you would do in those countries what you so often do in countries that are facing persecution, and, and that is to see the church thrive. Father, we think of places that are ministering, uh, like Kuchiala Hospital in Mali, that, as was said, as they meet people's physical needs so that they can address people's spiritual needs. We just pray that you would use uh, ministries like that, that people would know your salvation. We pray for all of those that are doing uh, ministry there as missionaries. We pray that you would encourage them today, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them the tools that they need to do their jobs well, and again, that they may see open doors and boldly walk through them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we have uh, one other uh, part of the world that we want to talk about and pray for, um, and uh, that's South America. And we don't have a video for South America, but we have somebody who's going to sort of represent South America for us by way of Dominican Republic. And so I asked Bill Benson if he would come and share just a little bit about the ministry uh, at Rising Sun and uh, how we can pray for them. And then we'll pray for Rising Sun and we'll also pray for, uh, there it is, thank you. And we'll also pray for uh, South America. It's very nice to see a video and beautiful pictures, but it's so much harder to really explain unless you can be there and touch it and see it and feel it. 
And while the Dominican Republic certainly isn't in South America, but it's a whole Latino culture, whether it's Ecuador, Peru, the Dominican Republic, or whatever it may be, it's, it's a Latino culture. Yes, they, they're, they're a Christian part of the world, but I can, I can tell you, the churches are empty. Whatever churches may have been built are empty. Now, there may be some churches in the cities that have people in them, but I can tell you where we go, they're empty. And let me try to explain how a mission can start. And I know everyone is different. But when I first sailed into the Dominican Republic, I wound up in a village by horseback. The only way you could really get there was on horse. And I was sitting out in front of this little tiny store, and within minutes I was just surrounded by children. They all wanted to know, well, who are you? You know, people don't come here. What, what do you want? What's, you know, say something in English, anything. Can I touch you? Um, and, and I knew right then that those children needed us. And they certainly needed the word of Christ. But as I traveled the country, I went to the whole other end of the country, down on the Haitian border, out in the middle of nowhere. I got so far that the motorcycle rider wouldn't take me anymore. So I let him park and take a nap while I climbed up the mountainside to a place called Pueblo Nuevo, or excuse me, uh, Anguilla. No, excuse me. Anguilla is the city, but Buena Vista. It's a, it's a little village that lived off the city dump of Anguilla, and that's why they were there. And I went up into the village, and again, within minutes, I was just surrounded by people, because people don't go up there, especially some gringo. But I was up there, and I was just, and they, they wanted to touch me, and you know, who are you, and what, what's, what's going on here? And I, I didn't, I'm not the brightest candle in the chapel. You know, Matt can tell you, Brian can tell I'm just not a very bright guy. I didn't know what I was really going to do there. Right, Chris? <laughs> but the Lord had a plan, I guess. Still does, still working on it. But, and I went to every little house trying to figure out what, what to do. So I was going to leave, and I'm, I'm going down the mountainside, and I heard this woman, Senor, Senor. And I went, holy cow, I, I missed a little place, so... I ran up the hill, and the Dominicans are very uh, diminutive people. So I was looking over her head into the shack she lived in, and what did I see? A dirt floor? Right, Paul? A three-legged table leaning against the wall? A three-legged chair next to it, leaning against the wall. And in the back, a very nasty mattress on the dirt floor. And she put out her hand to me. And she dropped into my hand eight little berries. And I went, 
oh my goodness. And I, because I looked back in the house and I realized that was the only food she had in her home. And she wanted me to have it to say thank you. I didn't know what to do. What would you do? I wasn't going to give them back and say, no, that's okay. So I had to eat them. And I did. There were eight very bitter berries, but I ate all of them. And then I began to cry. And she began to cry. And we just hung on to each other. And I realized, Lord, okay, you know, stop. Stop beating on me. I will, I will help these people. I will help these children. I will help these family, families. But Lord, what exactly do you want me to do? Well, working with the children is absolutely... They may know the name Jesus Christ, but that's, they may know the name. They don't know what that means and how to put it into their lives and, how to, and know the gospel and the word of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sorry, you can, Brian will probably beat on me later, but no, I'm not going to share Deuteronomy or Ecclesiastes to an eight-year-old. You can try, good luck. But we have material that we can share with them about the, the life and the word of Jesus Christ. Here's a book in English and Spanish. And Donna, these are how much? Three or four dollars. That's it. And we can share the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ and put the Lord in their life. Now, is there any teacher in the room? Any teachers? Now, you can't teach a child anything on an empty stomach, is that right? I don't mean you, I mean the children, right? So we do feed the children so that they will listen to the word of Jesus Christ. And we can share that word. And right now we're doing that 180 kids every week we work with these children to try to share that word. And this is something that we can do. This is something that we must do if we're a Christian. We are called to go out. And we have that opportunity. And this is not some big million dollar corporation we're talking about. This is just a $4 little book that you and I are sharing with 180 children. So, so God bless you for that. I appreciate Bill's passion and love for the people in the Dominican and the Haitian refugees. And when it comes right down to it, that's... That's where you always have to start is love. <laughs> Loving them and sharing the love of Jesus. If they know you love you, they if they know you love them, then they'll want to know where you get that love from. So let's pray for Rising Sun and, and for South America.
Just take a couple minutes on your own. Father, I pray for the people in the Dominican, for the Haitian refugees there, for the people of South America, that they would know how long and wide and deep the love of Christ is for them. That they would understand that love, that it would transform them, that it would lead them into a deeper and deeper relationship with you. I pray that that love would open doors, that it might be the love of a meal, that it might be the love of a conversation, that it might be the love of just someone showing up. Father, I I pray that that love would open doors, that that love would would be shocking and that, that that love would be uh, would be the kind of love that makes people want to know where it comes from, that they could be pointed to Jesus. Father, we pray for a, a revolution of revival in those places. Father, that you may raise up people to go to those places. Father, I thank you that there are places in South America that are uh, that are fairly strong Christian countries. I pray that you would raise up missionaries from their countries to go to their brothers and sisters in South America and to other um, Spanish-speaking countries. Father, we pray for your gospel presence to be strong and growing now in those places, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as, as we close up today, there's just a couple of things I've thought about. that You heard in the one video that there are about three billion people in, in the world who don't have access to the gospel. It's estimated that right now there are about 4,000 people groups in the world uh, that make up 3.4 billion, billion people who will be born, live, and die without knowing Jesus. Think about what that means for a second. 3.4 billion people will die not knowing Jesus. 
that should create some kind of a response in us. It should shake us to the very core of who we are. It should concern us more, more than just about any other statistic that we hear in the world today. We see all these statistics, we get all upset about all of these things that are worth getting upset about, but maybe more than any of them, we should be concerned about 3.4 billion people who are going to a Christless eternity if they don't hear about Jesus. But this, this week when I read that statistic, I just kind of read it. I just kind of read it and went, hmm, wow, that's a lot. And I read it and I noticed it didn't really have much effect on me. I didn't have much of any kind of emotional response to that. It wasn't a kick in the gut. It didn't ignite in me this compassion that Jesus had, that it had the sinking feeling in his stomach that... that that there was just something in him that was devastated. I, I didn't have that same compassion. And you know, it goes back to what we talked about last week, that the things can, that concern us are the things that we pray about. And the things that, that we think about are the things that we pray about. And I don't know about you, but... I don't think about 3.4 billion people that are going to hell all that often. And that means I don't pray for 3.4 billion people that often. And so something that I've just been praying for more is that I would have a heart of compassion that I would have bowels that yearn for people to know Jesus, that I would, when I think about that, have a sinking feeling in my stomach that leads me to just pray as soon as I think about it. So I just want to take just a quick second right now and pray that we would have a heart of compassion for missions. So, Father, I just pray for, for those, those masses and masses of faces upon faces who don't know you. Lord Jesus, please make a way. Please do something. Father, send workers. Send workers into the field. Father, 3.4 billion, that's gonna, we're going to need a lot of workers. 4,000 unreached people groups. Your, your, your word tells us that the gospel will be preached in, to all peoples and then the end will come. Father, we want to see Jesus come back. But, Father, we need people to go. We need people to, to go to those 4,000 peoples and take the gospel. Father, give us a heart that breaks 
for those people. Help us to pray more because we're concerned more, because we think about it more. Amen. So I just close up with this thought and, and one more thing to pray for. That if there are 4,000 people groups that don't know Jesus, 3.4 billion people with no gospel access, that's almost, almost half the population of the world. Right now, it's estimated that there are 7.6 billion people in the world, and 3.4 billion of them have no access to hear the name Jesus. And of those billions of people who do have access to the gospel, billions of them don't have someone to tell them. Uh, of those billions of people, some of, them, some of them live in places like Germany where there's access to the gospel. You can hear the gospel. You can go in a church. They're there and hear the gospel, but there's nobody there to take it to them. And so it's a 90% atheistic country. I think of places in, in, in Africa and the Middle East where Christianity is, there's maybe some access to it, but it's literally illegal. So most of that access is cut off. And I just think about those things and I think about Romans 10, 14, and 15 that says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. How can they hear unless someone tells them? For, for the people that don't have access to the gospel, how will they hear unless someone tells them? For the people that do have access, how will they believe unless someone tells them? Well, it goes back to where we've started. Jesus says, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers, more workers into the field. So finally, we're just gonna take a minute and do that. We're just gonna pray for more workers that will go. So let's pray.